In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope. And try not to go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. Recording this on Monday, is it Monday? Yeah, Monday morning, the 20th, I believe. <laughs> I should have a calendar down here in the rumpus room, in the heap studios. Uh, but I, th- I think it's the 20th. Uh, so you've got two more days to send in your best Bella Lugosi impersonation to have a chance to win the Mitterzine. So far, I've only had three entries. What? Three? Do you know how cool these Mitterzines are? And they could, one of them, of your choice, maybe it's filling out your collection if you don't have all of them already. Absolutely free. I'll ship it to you if you live in the continental U.S. And all you have to do is send me a five-second snippet of your best Bella Lugosi. Doesn't even have to be a Dracula line. You could, uh... You'll recite Shakespeare as Bella Lugosi. You could uh, tell a joke as Bella Lugosi. <laughs> your choice of your best or funniest Bella. It'll be fun. Come on. Three entries? That's it? I had, I've had 42 listens to my last, to the podcast I dropped yesterday. And I've gotten messages. None of them Bella. Ugh, what gives? All right, but let's move on to those messages because uh, I think there's been some thirst for actually breaking down the numbers on Joe's uh, D&D Fight Club scenario. And Joe's actually chimed in with clarifications. But first, let's go to Jason. Welcome to the penthouse, Thunder. Hey, Rob, Jason here. I still think trying to do you know, these comparisons between different editions is kind of apples to oranges. I I think we look at the average damage a weapon does to the average hit points and and how often they're going to hit and things like that, and maybe you look at that, right? So your your BX or even your AD&D first edition, any of your quote-unquote OSR games, you, you know, these characters are very likely to die from how many hits from a sword. And then how many hits from a sword is it going to take to kill a 5e character? I, I guess maybe that's one way to look at it, right? I don't know. I Like I say, these are re- really not equal comparisons no matter how you look at it because they're different rules. And the games aren't compatible and they weren't designed to be compatible. So, But I guess it is an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, it is just a total meta thing. And, <laughs> I mean, kind of dumb at its root, but, I mean, it is a really interesting idea, but, I mean, your your point is, is completely accurate. They are different rule systems. They aren't meant to be swapped. They aren't meant to be interchangeable or, um, yeah, or work with one another. I mean, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have your third-level BX fighter join a 5e adventuring group, right? Or vice versa. It it doesn't work that way. So they're not all D&D, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I stir the pot. 
but um, it is interesting to th- what your your point about like weapon damage and stuff, and that's one of the things that has been a constant ever since they actually introduced variable weapon damage in the Greyhawk supplement, the, the very first supplement to the OD and D white box or wood grain box, as the case may be. Um, a long sword has always done a D8 damage. A dagger's always done a D6 damage. Uh, I think a hand axe has always done a D6. A spear is D6. It's pretty consistent. Two-handed sword is a D10. I mean, whether it's uh, BX or AD&D, second edition AD&D, I, I really, I'm, a, I'm guessing, I don't know for a fact, with third and, and 3.5 and 4. Now, they did change, I think the greatsword does a different, is it 2d6 damage now in 5e, but a longsword is still a d8. Um, but yeah, your, your point about how many blows the characters can take has changed. Because now, the rule is characters start out with maximum hit points, and that wasn't the rules before. Um, and the hit dice have become inflated too. I mean, the Thief is the prime example. The Thief started out with a D4 in the classic versions, got bumped to a D6 in AD&D. I don't know where along the line, but now the Rogue is sitting at a D8. So the... 5th edition Rogue has the same hit die as the classic edition Fighter. So that's how much that has changed. But let's go to Joe now because he's called in to clarify this whole kooky experiment so I can get down to brass tacks and crunch some numbers on my, uh, I don't know, on my, <laughs> my gonculator. All right, I know it's 420. That doesn't mean what you might think it means. (laughs) I'm not uh, in an altered state, but I have made a few misstatements already looking, (laughs) listening back to this. First, it's not Monday, it's Tuesday. And second, slip of the tongue, Dagger's always done D4 damage, not D6. Happy 420 day. I only heard my name infinity times, so I I thought I'd call in uh, about my thought experiment. I go into it more on my last episode that I put out, uh, Storytime with Papa Joe. But yeah, they, they would absolutely have to have the same stats or else it's not an equal comparison. Like the standard array isn't the rule in 5e it's just an optional rule so it's not fair to say one has a standard array and the other one just rolls down the line that's giving an advantage to one over the other um so yeah they'd also have to have the same equipment obviously and i where i made my mistake is in mentioning 5e at all (laughs) that's not the game i know the most i should have said pathfinder but that's you know Again, I go into it more on my episode, but I just wanted to clear that up a little bit. Anyway, great stuff. Bonanza, peace out. And on my episode, I also mentioned that they would obviously both have to be the same species. So, you know, I say they're both humans. 
And in that case, even with the standard array, a 5e fighter couldn't have a plus 5 to hit and 13 hit points as a human first level fighter. Because you would need two 16s to do that. And you just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that. But, yeah, so, you know, obviously no standard array or else they both get the standard array. You know, same, same friggin' stats, same equipment. Uh, and, yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Hey, sorry for all the messages, man. I should have just waited, but I can't. <laughs> Uh, a fifth edition fighter at first level would not be doing plus five damage. That's not how the damage bonuses work. You don't add your proficiency bonus to damage. So, you know, you gave them the standard array. Maybe they have a 16, which is a plus three. So they'd be doing plus three damage. So probably going to drop a guy. But again, with the standard array that you gave them, they couldn't both have a plus five to hit with a plus three to damage and 13 hit points. So they would probably only have 11, maybe 12. Um, and uh, do criticals exist in BX? I do not know that. If you roll a nat 20, is that double damage? Uh, if it is, you could drop, you could one-shot the 5th edition fighter, and there's no second wind when you're unconscious. So, yeah, there you go. All right, thanks, Joe, for the calls and clarifying the ground rules for this little experiment. Uh, so I've dug out my 5th edition player's handbook, which... <laughs> it's actually more like a loose-leaf folder now because uh, half the pages are loose in it because the binding sucks so bad. That might have something to do with why I was turned off of 5e2. But uh, you can't make a decent <laughs> whatever. All right. So first off, uh, so we've got a human 5e fighter versus a human BX fighter with three men-at-arms. So I think the best way to go about this is to just create the 5e fighter and then interpret those results into a BX first level fighter. So, first off, the standard array is part of the regular attribute creation rules. I read on page 13 of the 5e player's handbook under determinability scores. You generate your character's six ability scores randomly. Roll 4d6 and record the total of the three highest dice on a piece of scratch paper. Do this five more times so that you have six numbers. If you want to save time or don't like the idea of randomly determining ability scores, you can use the f following stats instead. 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. And then you uh, assign them to the attributes as you, as you choose. Uh, so this is actually the pretty much the way most people, I think, rolled up characters for AD&D, both uh, first and second edition. And I think a lot of people actually did it for BX and Beckme as well. I think the, the hardcore 3D6 in order was something that was 
seen at a minority of tables. But let's just use this standard array option that they give. And it's, it, yeah, it's not a variant. There's a variant for customizing ability scores further, but the actual array is, is just part of the rules. And I think is what is used for standard Adventure League play for 5e. So this gives us a, a standard uh, baseline. Now, I'm going to create a 5e fighter, and this isn't actually what I would make uh, if I was optimizing, because I'd emphasize dexterity, because in 5e, dexterity is the most common saving throw that you have to make, and affects far more proficiency checks, skill checks, and stuff like that, too, and initiative, and all these different things that make it superior to strength. And fighters already get their proficiency bonus for strength and constitution saves, so you want to put a high, or your highest score, in my mind, in dexterity, because dex is king in 5e. But, because that doesn't equate well uh, to bx, we're going to put it in strength. So, the 15 goes in strength, we'll put our next highest in dex, 14, a 13 in con, and the other stats really don't matter for the combat, but let's flesh them out anyways. The 12 goes in wisdom, because wisdom is the second most common saving throw uh, in 5e, and also affects perception, which is probably the most used skill. Uh, and then our 10 goes in charisma, and 8 is our dump in intelligence. And those all get transferred to BX. But wait, there's more. In 5e, a human character gets plus one in all their ability scores. So that 15 becomes a 16 in strength, 8 becomes a 9, 12 becomes a 13, 14 becomes a 15, 13 to 14, 10 to 11. So we end up with a plus three modifier in strength, a plus two modifier in dex, and a plus two modifier in con. And for the same BX fighter, it's plus one, plus one, and plus one. So our fighter gets 10 hit points maximum and adds their constitution modifier, which is plus two. So they start out with 12 hit points. So Joe, you are correct. I could not generate a character with both plus five to hit and plus three on their hit points. Um, my mistake for going off my memory. Um, for equipment, we'll just use uh, the quick build fighter, so you get your choice of, um, you know, like basically an archer prototype or a heavy fighter prototype. So we'll take the heavy fighter prototype and give the same equipment. So we get chain and shield, and we'll just use a sword. Um, and so that gives us an AC of 18, because it's heavy armor. The dexterity bonus doesn't apply. Uh, there's no dex bonus for heavy armor, but chain is 16, and shield gives us a plus 2, so an 18 AC. So we've got 12 hit points, 18 AC. For the BX fighter, uh, so BX uses descending AC, but if you go to Gavin Norm Norman's Old School Essentials, which is BX, <laughs> it's the same game. But he does have... Um, the ascending armor class option so he's extrapolated the numbers so chain is armor class 14 and a shield only gives you plus one in bx so we have a 15 ac for our bx fighter but wait 
in BX, the armor doesn't uh, affect anything as far as it, whether or not you can apply your dexterity bonus to your armor class, you just get it. So we get our plus one to dexterity, uh, four dexterity to our AC. So our BX versatile fighter with chain and shield has a 16 AC. And as far as die rolling and stuff for damage and hit points and stuff, I'm I think it's maybe just best to go with average for this uh, for this scenario. We can look at outliers, but that requires more advanced mathematics, which I'm probably not well equipped to deal with. So an average BX fighter rolling a D8 for hit points would get 4.5. Let's be generous and round it up to to five, and then they get their plus one modifier for their there are 13 constitutions, so our BX fighter has 6 hit points. Half as many as the, the 5E fighter. Um, for an attack bonus, the 5E fighter... And we'll just have a melee combat here, right? Because we could, we could talk about um, different tactical situations, but we're really just testing the raw mechanics of the game. At least that's how I understand this, um, this little... Um, scenario to be. So we're just going to have a straight melee and uh, a 5e character, uh, a fighter is proficient in all weapons so they apply their proficiency bonus which is plus two and then in melee with a, a sword they'd be using their strength so plus three so they are plus five to hit. The BX fighter they're likewise proficient in all weapons but they don't that just means they can use them. It doesn't mean they get a bonus to hit. Uh, and likewise, they get their bonus for strength for both uh, dam uh, to hit and damage in melee, So, which is plus one. So the BX fighter gets plus one to hit. They're both using swords. Both games, it's a D8 damage. The uh, 5e character would have plus three on the damage, but they get their fighting style choice. Now, looking at the characters that have been created in my 5e games, the dueling option was far and away the, more, the most popular choice. That gives the 5e fighter plus two on damage with any one-handed uh, melee weapon. So that's how I get my plus five on damage, Joe. It's plus three for strength and then plus two for the dueling. Now, the other option you could take, or I think that the other good option is defense, which just gives you a flat plus one on your AC. So we could have done that and raised our AC to 19, but let's, and that would actually probably be a better choice for this scenario over the, for this like meta conflict. It would probably tip the scales more towards the 5e character, but, but let's choose what I think is probably the most popular option, the dueling option. So, so the 5e fighter with his sword is doing a d8 plus 5 on damage. So one hit, that kills the BX character. You don't even need to roll the die. Minimum damage on this with the sword kills the first level BX fighter. And incidentally, even if the BX fighter had maximum hit points of 9, just an average roll would kill the BX fighter. Um, the BX fighter does a d8 with the sword plus 1 damage. Um, what else? So... The 5e fighter also gets his second wind ability, which allows them to make a bon take a bonus action on their round 
to heal themselves for a d10 plus their level of damage taken. So in addition to attacking, on one round in this scenario, the fighter can get a, basically heal themselves for d10 plus 1, or we'll say just 6 points of damage if we're doing like an average roll. And uh, that covers it as far as what pertains to combat. I mean, there's all there's the skills and backgrounds and all that, but the, this is all that really pertains to, to our little scenario here. The BX fighter gets nothing else. How about the men-at-arms? You say there's three men-at-arms, um, Mo, Larry, and Curly, that are tagging along with our, our BX fighter. Now, you could maybe... You, I don't. I don't know. Joe didn't specify the equipment for men at arms, but in the BX games I play, men at arms don't come with kitted out with primo gear. You, you're basically talking leather and shield and a cheap weapon like a spear or a hand axe or something. And if the the party has more has money, they might uh, improve that gear, or if they when they um, slate foes or come across more gear or more treasure they will give that to their men-at-arms to make them more effective and stuff but starting out a first level bx fighter well first they probably don't have the cash to hire three retainers but aside from that point we'll just say they come kitted out with leather shield and a spear so our men-at-arms all have four hit points and with leather and shield their ac is 13 and they do a d6 of damage with their spear. They have no attack bonus, no damage bonus. And they have a morale of 7, because our fighter has a 10 charisma that gives them a 7 morale. So, there we have our combatants. How do they measure up in our fight club? All right, Gemini thinks I'm a fool for doing this, but I think this is actually an interesting uh, way to show some of the differences between like character creation and just how things are different as far as the uh, the design choices of Five E versus versus like BX. Um, the design choice was to have more hits scored in 5e and yet they increased uh the ac too a bit so that's kind of balanced out i mean you you see the the 5e fighter has an 18 ac versus a 16 with the same type of armor and the same stats um but the but their hit bonus is plus five versus plus one so it's still leaning towards getting more hits in 5e and then of course you do a lot more damage in 5e because you're the the attributes just skew higher as far as the bonuses that they provide and then you have these options like fighting style for fighters and stuff that give you these boosts as well so it it's designed almost to have fewer empty exchanges in combat there's usually more stuff happening in combat but it becomes more deadly 
because of that. And therefore, you can't throw hordes of creatures at parties in 5e like you can more readily in BX, because a heavily armored party in BX will seldom get hit by things like giant rats and stuff, and the giant rats don't do enough damage to actually kill uh, the BX fighter, but in 5e, like a, a swarm of giant rats is, is pretty deadly. Anyway, I'm going way off script here. Before I go further, nope, Joe, there's no critical hits in BX. So the, the 5e fighter cannot be one-shot by, by anyone, um, at least to start out with. Uh, so I don't know, how do you go about this? First of all, there's the, the challenge of initiative. They have two different initiative systems. In 5e, you're rolling individually for each combatant or group of combatants. Um, if, like, if they're all a bunch of goblins or something, you'd maybe as a DM just choose to have one roll for all the goblins or divide up the goblins into a couple groups, but every PC rolls. In BX, there's an optional rule for individual initiative, but the standard is just side initiative. Each side rolls a d6. There's no modifiers for attributes and whatnot. So I think the fairest way to do an analysis, because it really, this might boil down to who wins initiative. Um, but if we have a simultaneous initiative, so each side gets their attacks before damage is resolved, I think that might be the fairest way to do it. So let's look at it here. The, the 5e fighter has to attacking the BX fighter uh, has a 45% chance to hit them. They have a 16 AC, they get plus 5 to hit, so they just need to roll an 11 to hit the, five, to hit the BX fighter. To hit the men-at-arms with a 13 AC, they just need to roll an 8. So they got a 60% chance. Am I calculating that right? I think it's 60% chance, maybe it's 65. Anyway, um, to hit... Um, the man-at-arms, and as we outlined, any hit's going to kill, so it doesn't matter what you roll, you're going to kill any of these guys with a hit. So let's just say the, the 5e fighter, you combine those two, like, it's about a 50% chance that they're going to kill someone each round, and the, the smart thing to do would be to just take out characters, so you'd go after the ones that you're more likely to hit, because... Um, as we'll see, the chances of getting hit by any one person are pretty slim from the BX point of view. And you're just trying to whittle down attacks against you. Plus, you want to incur morale issues. So we'll just say the 5e fighter kills one of his opponents every other round. So every even round, he knocks someone out. And we'll start out with the men-at-arms. On the other side of the, uh, the ball, the... The BX fighter has a 20% chance to hit the 5E fighter. And on average, with, his, with an average damage output, that means he'd be doing 1.1 points of damage per round on average. The men-at-arms only have a 15% chance, because they don't have that, 13, that 15 strength that's giving them a plus 1. So... 
they only have a 15% chance to hit the fighter. And with an average roll with a spear, they're just doing 0.53 points of damage each per round. So collectively, the output, the damage output on average, a round per round basis for all four of these BX characters is 2.68 points of damage. But you say, well, wait a minute, there's a chance that they could score multiple hits per round. Yeah, there is, but it's pretty dang unlikely. The chance, if I'm computing this right, which is just multiplying the percentages uh, by each other, right? The chance of scoring two hits for these clowns, 3%. The chance of scoring three hits in the same round, 0.45%. And the chance of all of them hitting the fifth level fighter, all of them rolling a 20 or an 18 or better, or 17 for the, uh, for the, uh, for the first level character, 0.0068% chance. So, I mean, this is really unlikely to happen. So let's just take the average damage output for ease of uh, the purposes. So after the first round, the 5e character hasn't killed anyone yet. And the BX crew has done their 2.68 points of damage. So we'll say it's 3 to the to the 5e fighter. So the fighter... 5e character's gone from nine, from 12 to 9 hit points after round 1. At the end of round 2, he takes another 3... Uh, we'll, we'll round it down this time, so he's taken 2 points of damage. So he's down to 7. And he takes out one of the men-at-arms. Because he's got like a 50% chance to kill someone every round. It's actually better than that against the men-at-arms. So we're giving the benefit of the doubt, actually, to the BX side here. Now, after, at the beginning of the round, round three, after the first kill, those men-at-arms would have to make a morale check. So you roll 2d6, and if you roll higher than their morale, which is seven, they all cut and run or surrender or something, in which case, this fight's over. Um, so that's about a... I didn't do the math on it. I don't know, maybe a 40, 35, 40% chance that the fight's over right there. But let's say they make the morale check. So at the end of round three, their damage output has gone down to 2.13 because one of the men on arms is gone. So they whittle the fight, the 5e fighter down to five hit points. End of round four, they do another two points of damage. So the 5e fighter's at three. The 5e fighter uses their second wind. Bumps them up on an average die roll by six points. So they're up to nine and at the end at in this round they bump off another men at arms so there's only two of them they'd have to make another morale check because now half their numbers are gone so again this fight's over if they fail a morale check but let's say for the purposes of this they don't so at the end of round five damage output on the bx side is now down to 1.6 we'll say it's two so they whittle the the 5e fighter down to 7. At the end of round 6, they whittle him down to 5, and the BX fighter takes out the last men-at-arms. It's now mano-mano. First level fighter against first level fighter. End of round 7, the, the BX fighter is doing an average of 1.1 points of damage per round, so he whittles them down from 5 to 4. And at the end of round 8, 
the coup de grace applied to BX fighter, and he does another one point of damage. So the combat ends an average combat, and I'm actually, I think, giving the benefits to the BX side uh, percentage-wise. By my calculations, uh, the 5e fighter stands victorious with three hit points left. He cleans his weapon on the tabard of the fallen 5e foe, collects their gear and treasure, and heads off to the tavern to celebrate and brag about his victory. It is entirely possible that I have made some error in my calculations. I will readily admit my math skills have never been <laughs> stellar and they're rusty as hell because I'm 52 and I can't remember the last time I had an actual math course. Um, so other than doing crazy things for calculating baseball statistics and the... <laughs> fictitious dollar value of rotisserie baseball players, fantasy baseball players, and whatnot. I don't use math much <laughs> in my daily life. Um, and there's also, of course, there are these potential outliers, these swingy possibilities. What if multiple hits were scored on the 5e fighter? What if the fight 5e fighter hit multiple times in a row? Those are, and what if the BX crew scored higher than average damage on their hits. All that could certainly tip the scales, and I'm hoping I have accounted for that by just doing an average damage output. But yes, could the BX side win very easily? Could the 5e character have finished this fight even quicker? Definitely, especially if the morale was broken of the men-at-arms. The fight could have finished, ended after the after the first round, actually, if he'd slain a man-at-arms and they fled the scene. Um, it, I mean, it could have been over in the second round with a, a killing blow to the to the first level fighter and the, the uh, surviving men-at-arms surrendering or fleeing the scene. So, yes, it could be, it's a swinging game, uh, in all editions, and so much of it, especially when we're talking low-level characters with, without uh, various contingencies and without a big buffer of hit points, can be brought low with a few unlucky rounds or a few lucky rounds by their adversaries. But on average, uh, this fight is over after eight rounds with the 5e fighter, uh, yeah, celebrating. And again, I might be mistaken. Maybe someone can check my figures or point out some errors I've made along the way. Jason also has a few more thoughts about uh, Goblin's Henchman's uh, contributions to our show from yesterday. So we'll play a couple messages and then off to work. Yeah, Goblin's Henchman's a pretty smart guy. The I, I think part of the issue, too, is 
in our culture, we see such a backlash and such a cancel culture. Like, so just in what, the past five years, if that, I, I guess if I cared, I'd look it up online. But just the past few years, the OK symbol with your hand has turned into a bad thing. Now that's a, you know, racist, hate group, extremist thing where, you know, when when we were growing up and not even just when we were growing up, just, you know, just a few years ago, the OK sign was perfectly normal, everyday thing to use with no negative connotations. So, and and now, you know, whether you ascribe to the beliefs of the bad actors or not, you know, you, you can't use it in your word to use it because you don't want to get grouped in with them. And I think to some degree that may be what we're seeing, where people, instead of trying to fight back and, and retake a term, not even retake a term because they never lost it, right? But instead of just calling out the bad actors in the community, you know, instead of doing that, they're just willing to abandon it because they don't want to take a chance of being identified with those bad actors. So... Yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, good show. And I look forward to your next one where you do detailed analysis with, you know, with numbers and percentages and, and averages and, and all that math stuff of, of every version of D&D first level fighter against each other. I, I think that's going to be a great show. It's a kind of a big task, but I, I appreciate you're putting it ahead of your Space Master review. Although I'm still looking forward to that as well. <laughs> it's hilarious hearing uh, Maddie or Gadget, whichever dog it is. That I think it's Maddie that loves the squeak toys. Uh, <laughs> hearing that in the background. Uh, yeah, I I think that's bottom line what it is. I think I think it's better to deal with bullies by facing up to them and calling them out rather than. Uh, I know it's uh, you might have the moral high ground by turning the other cheek and uh, and and not getting down in the mud with them and stuff. But uh, I think you just call it as you see it. That's my philosophy on these things. Um, and yeah, I, well, I didn't quite uh, <laughs> break it down to the extent that you, uh, I know, kiddingly asked for, Jason. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But I I did complete the scenario as, as outlined by Joe. And I know Joe is much more comfortable with Pathfinder, and that's what he kind of kicks himself for wishing he would have done and maybe maybe joe will do it uh, a breakdown of this on his hindsightless podcast but i can't do it i can't help you out there joe because i know nothing about pathfinder and i don't own any of the books so i can't do the pathfinder thing i did as best i could on this uh, impromptu kind of morning stab at it um so that's what i got that's what i got for you today Till I talk to you again, thanks to Joe from the Hindsightless Podcast. Thanks to Jason, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Call in with your best Bella by tomorrow midnight for your chance to win a midterzine. And until I talk to you again, don't go down in a heap. <laughs>